combination of velvety soft bath hands and some real thud in the back, leading to moments like this and McConaughey, and he's snaking his way through, and in Clark to Glanville, fucking a singer is standing, waiting, pouncing. Big Joel makes his a double. Oh, he's gone through on his own. Josh Matabesi, ender of worlds, destroyer of walls. Spencer whips it away. Beautifully done. Gavin scored. The two young bucks who underline their love of this place earlier in the week. Orlando Bailey and Max Ajomo conspire in thrilling fashion. Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined as ever by my good friend and fellow Bath fan, Tom. Tom, how are you? Very good, mate. Very good. You? I'm very good. There's been a plethora of Toms on the podcast so far this season. We had Bath fan Tom join us a couple of weeks ago, but I think we've pulled the best Tom from Bath Rugby to join us as a special guest on this occasion. Uh, Yeah, we are delighted to be joined by Tom Dunn, Bath captain Tom Dunn. Thank you, Dunny, for, for joining us. Hi guys, yeah, thank you very much. Um, I told Tom to handle that as well. Enjoy that comment. <laughs> yeah, it was a toss-up between this Tom, De Glanville, and yourself. I think after your performance on on Friday night, you just about edged it. I'll take it. <laughs> and yeah, um, not your first appearance on the the podcast. We did have you as our, I think our second ever guest back in series one. Um, somehow we're in in series five now, and and you've been. Yeah, um, good enough to join us after, uh, unfortunately, uh, a defeat on Friday night at the REC, the 31-39 defeat. Tom, just put all Bath fans' minds at ease. You did come off, uh, I think it was on about 65, 67 minutes. Um, are you okay? Are you are you good to go? Ready for ready for um, the, the match on the weekend? No, yeah, yeah, I'm all fit. Um, a few niggles, just start of the year, you're not quite used to it yet. So I've had a few good... Uh, an 80 minutes, 75 and nearly 70 on the weekend. So just uh, rest in your bones. <laughs> and obviously it was your first first, uh, first time leaving the boys out as captain. Um, and, you know, we're on season five, but I think you're on, what are you, what are you on now? Season season 10 or 11? Um, uh, I joined I joined 12 seasons ago, debuted 10 seasons ago. So yeah. Um, day season 12. Yeah, it was a proud day. Yeah, yeah better season was, 12. Yeah, how, how was it? How was it being asked to, to captain for the first time? And how did you find that be the overall experience of leading the boys out and dealing with the referee and all that kind of thing. Cause it must be, yeah, it's quite different for you doing that for the first time. No, no, I loved it. Um, if I'm brutally honest, I didn't change much of what I normally do because I scrum time, I speak to referees a fair bit anyhow. So that was the same. Um, I wasn't the type of captain who's going to sit there and technically and tactically describe what boys should be doing and make those calls. So I rely pretty heavily on my Josh McAnally, Orlando Bailey, uh, Louis Schnuder, I rely pretty heavily on them for those tactical decisions, but um, I was just there to kind of like lead, I guess, as an as example. Yeah, and you definitely led by example. Lovely hit first up on on Joe Launchbury after a couple of minutes. I really enjoyed that. And then I think you had a steal from the mall. You were all over the place leading from the front and then a brace to to cap it off. Is that a first brace in in Bath Colours or am I doing it? No, I've had, I've had a few. I've had a few. I had a... Um, I think the most recent one before that was against Gloucester at home. Uh, 
the year we got to the semi-final. Mm-hmm. And I think I got one there late on in the game to turn it around. Uh, yeah, I think that was my last one before this one. It's kind of, um, yeah, umming and ahhing about telling us the details. I know that you know the exact details of both of those tries, the minute they were scored, how they were scored, and what the score was at the time. So, yeah, it was pretty good acting from you there, Danny. But, um, yeah, I think, I think the listeners could, could hear right through it. Yeah, it was a, it was a good performance, from, certainly from yourself on Saturday. What were the, on Friday night, sorry, what were the key messages that you as captain and Van Gran and the other coaches, what, going into the game after... Um, the the kind of the, the two previous defeats. What were you focusing on on this week? Um, the focus points for last week, sorry, the um, the Wasps game were our restarts. I think we let ourselves down there a few times. Quite a lot, we scored points, and then we'd instantly let them score again in both the Sale and the Bristol game. Uh, that was one area, and the other area was the breakdown. Obviously, we know the Willis brothers. We know the threat they they shown and what they did. Um, so it was about stopping them along with the kicking game. So the way they kick and then they put a lot of pressure on that first breakdown, they almost have Jack Willis hang behind the defensive line. If you notice that as well, when you carry off nine, he's not often in the defensive line, he's just behind it. So if there's a good chop tackle or an impact tackle, he can then jump over the top of the breakdown and cause carnage. And how did you feel like you kind of dealt with those particular areas and then just generally the the first half in, in particular? Uh, well, the first 10 minutes were pretty decent, to be fair. We came out firing. We came out um, physically on top, which was a big thing for us as well. After the week before, I mean, against Sale, we, I hate to say it, we, we got bullied. Um, the collisions weren't good enough, defence and attack, and that's ultimately what, what cost us the game. Um, so then that was a big one for us. The first 10 minutes were great. Then probably for 30 minutes, we let ourselves down a bit. I think we didn't control the breakdown well enough. They got what they wanted off those um, first breakdowns off the kicks and they pinned us and we gave penalties away and that cost us to the 30 minutes in the first half. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the breakdown because obviously it was an area that we struggled against Sale with as well with the the you know the Curry brothers. They're obviously both both sort of pretty prolific over the, the ball as well. And, you know, it, it felt like the, you know, Wasps again had the kind of dominance in that area and it just makes it so difficult for you when you string together a few phases um, and then you just get turned over and, and you, you know you lose the ball you lose all that territory so what do you think and I know you guys have done the review of the Wasps game today but how do you think moving forward we improve the our work at the break, breakdown on, on both sides of the ball uh, I think it's the connection and the carry so if you have a dominant ball carry you take people off their feet so if, if you take two tacklers to take to the floor there's two people who can't jackal. So ultimately, there's, they're not going to chuck a third or fourth in to do the damage because they'll be short in the front line. Mm-hmm. So if we can dominate the collision more in the carry and then with our cleaner being more connected so he can connect earlier. There was a couple of occasions on the weekend where we got actually um, penalised coming off our feet as a latcher. Yeah. But that kind of mindset of taking the space before the competition even begins or take it out, take out the threat before it's even there. So that's how we deal with it in attack. And then in defence, again, it's on the back of collisions. So if you, if you win the first up collision as a chop or a first man choke tackle, the second man can hit in and cause some damage and that either moves the target for their cleaners so they, they haven't got that clean path in or you can get underneath them because you're on top of the ball carrier. So there's, it all starts with the first up collision. If you dominate that, the rest of it kind of domino effects. Speaking very articulately there, Danny, about the, the breakdown, were you similarly articulate at half time? Obviously, trailing 
um, I think it was 28-7 at half time. What what was said at that point? And were you kind of leading that as, as captain or was that something that the coaches led? So the tactical and technical stuff was all led by the coaches. Um, so, so pre-game, like my, my kind of spiel to the lads was, it's an opportunity. So I look at playing at the rec. I, I love it, especially on a Friday night. But if you look at, you play 100 games for the club, it's a great career to have. 50 of them are at home and probably seven at, on a Friday night. So mm. the actual opportunity to do it is pretty rare. Mm. And then the opportunity to, but we, we were zero from two, our backs were against the wall. If it wasn't now, when was it going to be? Like if you weren't going to front up and show a performance on Friday, then when would you? Um, we spoke a lot in the summer about being proud and how we weren't proud last year of what happened at Bath Rugby. So at half-time, I kind of tapped into that a little bit and I just said, look, this is another opportunity. We can either sit here now and just take this or we can do something about it. So that was my that was my input into it. But tactical, technical stuff wasn't on me. What, what, what else do you... Go on, Tom. Well, I was just going to ask about kind of the defence in that that first half because obviously that's another area that we... I mean, we had Johan on the podcast and he's been like very clear with JP as well that a big area this season is to tighten up defence, not concede so many tries. You know, there's that kind of two-try target which has kind of loosely been been spoken about and you know I think we've shown signs of improvements particularly against Bristol in that area but it felt like in that first half it kind of at times it felt a little bit like deja vu in, in some games last season when we looked like very easy to break down you know with particularly out wide I think there were there were kind of there were phases where wasps were quite easily taking 20-30 yards off us and you know obviously that we, we tightened up a lot in that second half but would, uh, was was defence something that you, you kind of spoke about a lot in, in that half-time half time break and, and why do you think it kind of improved? Uh, I think if you look at our defence throughout this season, it's actually been our own our own undoing. That's let us down, our own undoing, sorry. So if you look at um, our restarts again, I think mm-hmm. we've considered two tries off restarts. Uh, the tap penalty from Alice Genge, we've just had a mental switch off. And even the weekend, you know, we, we lose a line out and they score two phases later with Josh Bassett down the, down the side. So like you don't, you don't. We we've been together for 11, 12 weeks now. We haven't gone through every scenario. You know, when the nine gets yellow carded, how do we play? So if we lose the line out, whose responsibility is it to get to that edge? To because when well, we know in a defensive line out, the six or the seven is nominated to stay on the edge. Whereas you look at that try from the weekend, it goes myself. Then I think it's either JJ and then Horse, or it's um, Max and then Horse. So I know I'm, I'm not known for my speed at the best of times. So you don't really want me in that wide channel. So that's just another role, clarity. It's not even a role error because I haven't spoken about it. So it's just clarity of roles um, that over time will get better and it will get fixed. Yeah. What, what do you think was the biggest difference in the second half? Obviously, it was a fantastic comeback to get so close and nearly win, nearly get two points, ultimately just get the one point. What do you think was the main factor in in kind of the turnaround in in the performance and also on the scoreboard? Might be a bit biased here, but I'd just say set piece the, the line out. Um, mm. You know, if you can if you can win a penalty thirty meters from your try line, kick it another thirty meters, win another penalty, kick it another thirty meters, have a five meter driving wall. They're very hard to stop. Mm. So ultimately, that was our way into the game. Um, I think we had about seven seven malls. I think we scored two tries, won three penalties and played away twice. So 
that kind of those kind of stats and numbers will get you into a game and that's ultimately what we did yeah and you you mentioned that Josh Bassett try you know a, a line out that we had in their 22 we lose it they score three phases later and then once we get that accuracy sorted at the line out you know suddenly we score you know those two two driving more tries and then obviously the JJ try as well which came off some set piece so what what click what started to click in the second half in in, in both the line out and the scrum uh, I wouldn't say the scrum did click I'm honest with you we didn't have a great day um, I think we lost the penalty count 3-1 and I think we might won a free kick but we weren't we weren't pleased with the scrum I think the week before the scrum was good and it got us nearly back into the sale game I think we got what five penalties on the balance and a yellow card um, if we convert from there there's probably a way in um, but yeah ultimately it, we just recognition of it but we've always been able to do it it's just you know you don't go into the game knowing what's going to work. You have to figure it out. The sooner we can figure it out, probably the, the better we'll be. You know, for example, the first line-out of the game, we kick it down to their five metres, we call a six-man line-out, not a, not a nine-man line-out, which is what we scored off in the last two of the game. If we'd have known nine-man line-out worked from minute one, we'd done it all day. So it's, it's just finding out what punch is landing. Yeah. I'll ask you another question on line-outs, actually. Um, We've often spoken about this over the last season or two about when we're defending particularly close to our line and often like we will make the conscious decision not to compete and not to not to stick a pot up there. Now, it seems like this season and Dave Atwood's been great at this in the game so far. We've had a few, we've had quite a few like crucial steals, particularly against Bristol. I think we had, we had two or three. How do we, how do you guys make the decision about whether to compete or, or whether to stay down? So, uh- for start, but I don't make a decision on that. No, at all. as a as a unit. I'm a, so there's, there's a few setups we call. So you can compete in the full lineout. So you mirror your man exactly what opposite man does. You mirror another one where you can only mirror the tail of the lineout. So you'll give them the five seven meters to drive if they want to drive there. But you mirror the tail, and then you get obviously some calls where you won't mirror at all. Um, it's all dependent on triggers. So who's there? Who's there? Nine? Is it a forward or is it a nine? Uh, at the pitch position uh, is the kicker left or right footed uh, the score there's, there's loads of things that go into the personnel on the pitch so we've, we've got like an especially athletic back row on the pitch seven man line out we're probably just trying to compete whereas if we've got a, some maybe a shorter less athletic back row on the pitch we bank we bank it let them win the ball and make sure we don't let them score them all so it, there's so many um, so many things that affect the decision it's normally all done pre-game if I'm honest and then the personnel that comes on you know who's coming on you know when they're coming on and then you know which pitch position you can do what and who's who's making that call like obviously in the absence of of Yulzy, who's making that call um, on the pitch like live on the pitch so I first pre-game I think it was Josh Bayless and I think on the weekend it was Dave oh right anyway sorry Back to we're getting off topic, but <laughs> well, no, an area that you're certainly um, an expert in, Danny, is the the line out. I was wondering, I don't know if you can comment on on this, but I the, one of the things that I noticed uh, in the second half and and kind of throughout the game was kind of the use of Tokenasiga, Joe Tokenasiga, um, in the back line earlier than he used to be, so kind of coming off his wing and getting that off that Bailey or Francis or Joseph. Is that something that, that you guys spoke about trying to use obviously his his size and, and, and ball carrying ability to get over the game line to allow the other backs to to have a bit more space? Oh. 
think we've lost you there, Danny. Yeah, no, exactly that. We we saw there was a mismatch there. So we thought we could send Joe over there by half to get us comfortable. So that's what we tried to do. Yeah, I thought that was um, yeah certainly really effective on the weekend and, and hopefully something that, that can be effective again because yeah, it does sometimes feel like Joe is such a fantastic ball carrier and runner and um, if the ball doesn't get out to the wing, it's nice to see him you like utilize and yeah i thought that the set piece and kind of getting on the right side of the referee as well and and and, and tightening up the discipline was um a, like a combination of things that that allowed us to to come back in into the second half and ultimately it wasn't enough but you know i me and myself and tom weren't able to get to the game but speaking to people who were at the game were kind of um certainly much more buoyed by that second half performance and and can kind of see the positives um Tom, Danny, I'm sure you can you can also see the positives from being in and amongst the the, the boys over the summer. Um, what what kind of has been the biggest change then over over the summer that that you've seen since the introduction of Van Gran and um, JP Ferreira and also Joe Maddock and and lots of other changes that he he's made to kind of the backroom staff. What what can you what what do you think's changed the the most? Um, off-field is massively different you know we've, we've changed a lot of facilities as well we've got a new auditorium for our meetings our physio rooms changed our change rooms have changed the gyms changed where we eat has changed the chefs have changed nutritionists have changed so like it's a very fresh new feeling to the place which I've really enjoyed um, on-field the, the style of rugby has completely changed um, I think you can see from the first three games our set piece is now massive um, winning the game line is huge way we carry the way we defend um so we've, we've built the game around that you know i feel we are on that cliche word we're on a journey we're, we're, we're building something um we're under no illusions we're nowhere near the finished product um but it's that feeling of where everyone's in it together and they're new it's just fresh so there's no preconceived opinions or ideas or judgments it's, it's all fresh we're all pushing in the same direction and I think from the second half of the weekend, you can see there's some real belief. Um, I think that's probably the, the biggest difference at the moment between now and last year is the belief. Mm. A, a, a few people um, through the door as well, Tom. One in, in your position, Niall Annett, someone that Bath fans unfortunately have not um, seen a huge amount apart from, apart from a small incident at Ashton Gate on the first night. In training, what have you seen from from Narwana and what what can we expect to see from him in 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 what is such a competitive position with obviously yourself, Dowerty, and and Anna as kind of all vying for that number two shirt? Oh mate, he's, a, he's an experienced operator. He's wise. He's a, he's a very good rugby player. Um, it's, he's it's an acute an acute signing. Is that the right word there? I'm not really sure. <laughs> his set piece knowledge and understanding is fantastic his understanding of when to be calm and when not to be is I know there's no irony in saying that in the situation <laughs> he's in but um, it is brilliant like, he's a very passionate man and I've, I've enjoyed working with him and learning from him so yeah I've got a lot of good things to say I think he can make a real difference I was, I was going to ask you actually the last time we had you on a few seasons ago I asked you, you know, pick out a player that, you know, want to watch the Bath fans and you picked out Tom Dowerty who's obviously come through 
Um, started a few games now, um, and I think it's looked good when he's when he's come off the bench um, so far this season as well. Feels like it's a very young squad again, probably the youngest it's kind of ever been. Um, you know, kind of the the old warriors like yourself now leading from from the front, but across backs and forwards, kind of academy guys have come through. A lot of the signings have been young guys as well. Maybe in the in the forwards, given that's your kind of your area, are there any other guys that you would you would pick out? As, as kind of guys to watch over the next couple of years for, for Bath fans? Um, trying to think who's not already, who you don't already know about, really, if you know what I mean. Um, forwards at the minute who haven't had an opportunity. I don't want to stick to hookers, but that's kind of what I want to do. Uh, there's another young man called John Stewart. I think we've seen him a bit in the Prem Cup. He's a big old slab, and he's, um, he's got Ginger Shamp as well. He's a real strong boy. Uh, so oh, if you want to watch uh, then we'll be uh, boring and repeat and have a hooker but yeah, yeah he, he looks exciting there's another young uh, tight head who we really haven't seen much of even at training but I think he's got bags of potential and it's Archie Griffin um, I think if he can stay fit and string some games together string some training weeks together he has real potential as well yeah. well obviously might, might, might see some of those guys now on Wednesday with the, the Prem Rugby Cup um, kicking off yeah that, that's certainly some reasons to to be optimistic about the future Tom why don't you or Danny why don't you give us a few kind of reasons to to be optimistic about the rest of the of the season you strike me as um, an optimistic guy and yeah I think it's been tough um, certainly not you know three defeats from three has not been the ideal start. And, you know, Bath fans will accept that it's going to take time to to turn this around. But but kind of from what you're seeing and, and, and all of your experience, kind of, I'm guessing there are reasons to be optimistic and, and kind of what are they? Yes, ultimately, I think the, the biggest reason I'm positive is there's good people. There's really good people involved. Um, players, coaches, backroom staff. There's a real good bunch of people Um They've done it, they've been there as well. So, we're now looking at staff who've, who've got 10 years in the game as a head of SNC. We've got uh physios who've had 10 years in the game as a head of, and they've, they've, they've been there and they've done it, and they know what it takes. And that's something we haven't really had, if I'm honest. Um, so that, that excites me and that makes me positive. And I still think, as I said, we've been together 12 weeks, and that's not everybody, that's the people who started on day one. So, you think the internationals weren't here. Some of the young lads who at 20s World Cup weren't here. Some guys coming back from injuries from the off-season getting fixed up. So, you know, the majority have had 12 weeks. So, if we've already shown the improvements you've shown in 12 weeks, think how good it'll be in 12 months. Mm. And just on just on the internationals, a guy I wanted to ask you about is is Will Stewart. Obviously, came had his first start of the season on Friday and with the England squad announced today looks like he's putting himself in pole position for that number three shirt you know and you, and you only have to look at that game against Sale and see what he did to a guy like you know Ross Harrison and it was just unbelievably impressive just how much has he has he come up um, and how 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 good a tight end prop is he out of all the, the guys that you've played with over the years yeah he, he, he I, I think he's world class yeah um, don't want to play too much snow cup his bum but uh, he, he's, the, he's the full package so he's a fit he's reasonably quick for a bloke who's 138 kilos or whatever he is but um, he, he's ultimately very strong and very good at scrummaging which is his bread and butter his footwork around the pitch there isn't many people who can move like that at that size and also his skill set is brilliant as well you know yeah. you don't 
like I think of old boys like Daisy Wilson, who was a quality, quality operator, quality tight head scrummaging, but his catch and pass wasn't all that. Whereas look at someone like Will Stewart, <laughs> and he's got he's got the whole he's got the whole package. I think. Yeah, Stewart Stewart's been kind of really impressive for a couple of seasons now, and yeah, has has changed around with his Barnet too, and it transitions us nicely onto <laughs> yourself, Tom, and. Yeah, we weren't really sure what to expect when we logged on to this Zoom, but um, it's still business on the top and kind of party or, or yeah, party for a great cause on, on the back. Why don't you kind of talk us through what you've been doing? Um, it looks great, but I don't think it's just a fashion choice that you've decided. Talk us through um, the haircut and, and what, you've been, what you've been doing over, over the past few months. Um. I wish it'd been months. It's been, been over a year now. It's been about yeah. It was the last the last time I shaved it on the back of my head was the first of July two thousand twenty one. So I'm not sure how many months that was. That's a while ago, over fourteen fifteen months ago. Um, so the reason behind it was so my my other half she works in um Dorothy House uh, Hospice in Bradford Avon, and they they get a lot of you know, ill people there. And MND is something they see fever respite or end of life care. Um, and it isn't massively funded. It isn't people aren't massively aware of it because it's such a cruel disease, and it's often in older people. Um, so I was thinking about doing something for it, and then real randomly, a bloke called Grant on Instagram messaged me and said he's going to start doing a dodgy weird, dodgy mullet. And I was like, well, that's that then, isn't it? I've always enjoyed a mullet, and this could be the last chance to do it. And uh, the dodginess of it meant I could hide the receding hairline as well. Uh, so <laughs> I've. I've been I've been doing that now for like well for a little while. Um, I was going to do it for twelve months and cut it off, but I, I didn't didn't really publicise it as much last year as I probably should have due to circumstances. Um, but now you know I've got to bite the bullet. I said I'm going to do it. It's going to happen either today or tomorrow. Um, yeah, so just raising money for M and D. You can still donate, and I'd appreciate it. So yeah, it's the, last, the last, the final sighting of the the lesser spotted <laughs> dunny with the yeah. I mean, it's looking good on this on this video. He's yeah. um, actually starting to dread at the back as well. That's the problem I'm having. <laughs> the, mix, the mixture of deep heat and scrums rubbed into it. It's all starting to mat at the back. So it's not a recommended hair uh, hair care. Mm. Um, it looks good. And it looks good in free flow with uh, with ball in hand. There's a couple of uh, good photos on your. Your Instagram, and yeah, I think you you, you mentioned they can still donate. It's a, there's a just giving page, I think, it's linked in your bio, isn't it, of your social media? So yeah, if you're if you're listening and haven't haven't checked it out yet, go and do that, and and um, yeah, and, and please donate if you can, because obviously it's something that's you know close to rugby as well. With um, you know these unbelievably sad stories, you know Ed Slater, for example. Um, so yeah, um a great cause and then yeah I guess just sticking with off the field stuff and this is again something that we we spoke about I think it was in the much earlier stages when we last spoke a couple of years ago um, I think you were doing some kind of butchery training up in Clifton I think it was in Bristol um, but your your company um, Black and White Butcher uh, was, was on their, their Instagram earlier and um, yeah mouth was watering doing some pretty unbelievable looking hog roasts and on match days um, just behind the, the Dyson stand so why don't you just give a quick, quick shout out, quick shout out to that? Uh, yeah, so black and white. It's a outdoor events at the moment, and to hope to be a butcher's one day or food deli. So the moment we're doing like a lamb roasts, hog roasts, outdoor barbecuing, sides and salads kind of thing. So 
yeah, come and uh, hook us up. We do festivals, christenings, birthday parties, anything you want, really. Just, uh, yeah, just something on the side. Me and uh, my business partner is from Ruby and White in Clifton. So, um, yeah, we're uh, doing what we can. Well, that's fantastic, Danny. And yeah, great self plug in is, uh, yeah, certainly a thank you for, for coming on. And yeah, definitely check out um, the Just Giving page and also the, the Instagram page um, of Black and White as well. Um, yeah, Danny, thank you so much for, for coming on again. We, yeah, we really appreciate you coming on, especially after what, what was a, a difficult defeat on Friday night, but plenty of reasons to be optimistic there. So thanks for joining us and hopefully we can catch up again soon. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for your support. And there he goes, Tom Dunn, a fantastic guest, regular guest on the Bath Rugby Plug. Thank you once again for joining us. And it leaves me with the um, yeah second best Tom on the podcast to hear his thoughts about the, the third defeat on Friday night. Tom, you obviously have watched the game. What, what are your overriding thoughts on it? You're really milking that one, aren't you? Yeah, um, well, uh, yeah, no, it's great to have him on. I could have talked to him about competing at the line out and set piece and Will Stewart for hours and hours. Um, but I think he had yeah, he had bedtime duties to 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 be getting on with. Yeah, I just just watched the sort of game back, and I think you know, Dunny summed it up pretty nicely. Really, in that first half, we were so inaccurate. Uh, defense was poor, but we ultimately weren't hitting our line outs. We were losing the collisions. We were getting absolutely beasted at the the breakdown. And, you know, I think with comebacks like that, I think Wasps did drop off a little bit. And I think losing Jack Willis for 10 minutes was massive. You know, he scored 14 points in that period and he was an absolute beast. Both the Willis brothers were when he was on the field. You know, Wasps obviously got form of throwing away games in the second half, gave up a, I think, 21-point lead to, to Gloucester. But I do think we started to be be a little bit more accurate. I think in particular in the line out, hitting those, those line outs and getting that driving more going, which we know is going to be a key weapon this season, I think was, 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 was absolutely key, but yeah, I'd be a little bit wary about being too optimistic. You know, I think ultimately it was a good comeback. It was a spirited comeback, but we're not going to win many games of rugby playing like that and defending like that in that, that, that first half. So I think again, we've got to say it's not good enough. You know, we're down in 12th place in the league. Once again, we haven't won a game yet. So I think um, pleased with the fight that was shown, but ultimately it's a it's another it's another poor performance uh, across the lady. Mm. Yeah, I think I just want to preface kind of everything I say by just saying like I understand how long that this is going to take under Van Gran, and, yeah. and I know that it's it's a journey and, and it's not going to not going to change overnight, and it's probably going to take, in my view, a season to to change things around in another mm. summer. But that's, that doesn't mean that we can't analyse what we just watched as Bath fans. And that first 40 minutes was you know, Tom Dunn on the podcast and I kind of hope he turned off when he went off because it was diabolical. Uh, I mean, mate, <laughs> the defence... Well, You're not a rugby league commentator. The, the, from 15, 16 minutes to 40 minutes was... About as bad as it as it can possibly be, and Danny spoke about the focus that they had in in eliminating Jack Willis, and and particularly when they when they kick and 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 then what, they, there was three in a row. There was three in a row where they exited, we gathered it, they turned it over, they scored. That happened three times in a row, like off three three, um, and they scored three tries from it. 
in that middle period. And yeah, that that was obviously an area of, of, of focus, as, as we've spoken about. You know, we touched on it last week on the podcast that the breakdown and, and handling another pair of dynamic brothers was go, was going to be a, a key part to the game. And, and, and they just didn't do it. And that is why they, the, the game got away from us in, in that first half. It was, yeah, it, it, it was, re- it was, it was really quite poor. I thought, um, yeah, the, the, the difference on the, in the breakdown, um, I think the difference in terms of physicality, the difference in the, the, the box kicking, I thought Porter was was pretty good for Wasps actually the, the scrum half and, and 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 by contrast I thought Schroeder really struggled actually with his box kicking that first half often way too short not not gaining any territory and not not kind of kicking to that length best, where, best, uh, best box kick of the day was from Matt Gallagher to be honest yeah so when, he, when he was covering I, I know, I know we don't want to labour too much we've touched on it a lot with Danny but yeah I, I thought that first half was, was was pretty bad yeah we just you know We've touched on a few things. I mean, we just we we just looked not quite in the same league as them in in every single area, um, and it was all the the classic coach killers that you see. You know, you score and then you concede pretty much directly after um, the restart's too long. We let them we let them um, we let them run it back for the Josh Bassett try. Or was it the Josh Bassett trial for one of the penalties early doors? And there's just we just yeah we just we just don't help ourselves from a. From a from a game management point of view, we got cut to ribbons out wide in defence. I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought Umaga was impressive, but it just looked it looked all too easy. They go right, we're stretched. They go left, they're 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 in the corner. So, yeah, too easy to 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 break down. And it you know, prior to that, prior to that comeback, you know, seven thirty six on forty nine minutes, you know, it was it was it was looking very very bleak. And you've you've got to say. Had it had it not been for those those few tries and the crowd sort of getting up and getting behind the team, I think we'd be we'd be having a very very diff- different conversation here um, because it could have been very very nasty if Boston had managed to kind of continue that momentum. Yeah, we want to be tough to beat, don't we, under Van Gran? And and in that first yeah. half, we that's the first not- thing. It's the first thing he said, and it has to be said. In the last two games, we've looked we've looked very very easy to beat, haven't we? Really. <laughs> We did in that first 50 minutes for sure. We it didn't get away from us, which was good. Um, I think that was credit to, to, to us to Bath in, in some ways. Um, as I mentioned, Thokken Seeger, who, who for me had one of, one of his best games in a bar, yeah. I, thought, I thought he was outstanding. And just do that more. If you're going to play two ball playing centers, he has to be involved like he was. I, I thought he was he was fantastic and, and kind of getting on the right but, side of the ref and and, and well, I, said, I said on 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 Big Joe said to you when I went to the game um, and he, he didn't have his best game against himself but I thought he just looked in shape he looked fit he looked quick he was you know I think in the past particularly last season and when he's returned from injuries he's probably not quite looking looked in the best shape he's looked a bit heavy he's not been as quick as we know that he was earlier on in his 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 professional career and his, his his career for Bath and England. I think he's starting to get back to that sort of power and speed that we've seen. And yeah, he was going looking for the ball as well, which is something we've we wanted to do. So good signs. You know, he he needs to be doing better with that cross kick, in my opinion. Um, but you know, he 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 starts in the wrong position there. He's way too far back, and he should be coming in from the touchline. I think if he comes in, I think if he comes in from the touchline there, he scores. Correct. But the reason he doesn't come into the touchline is because they rushed it. As soon as we got the penalty advantage, 
Truders trying to get the ball out immediately. You watch the backs, they're all like flying out, flying out, trying to get into the back line because they were so narrow previously. They've got to take their time there. The reason he's not on the touchline is because he's narrow for, for from, from when we don't have the penalty advantage. I thought that was... Yeah, that was really... I think, I think, I think as an international winger, we should do better there. But I think, in, I, think in, I think in the full 80, he, had, he, he, he was looking good. But he's not on the wing because... Fine, yeah, I, I mean, I think we agree. I thought, yeah, that that was again, you know, that was that was pretty poor. I thought from from Francis and and Schroeder, who I, again don't think don't think had had fantastic games. But yeah, he 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 certainly did have uh, a fantastic game, Tom. And I thought the impact of of some of the substitutes as well. I thought was in, was important. I thought that Quinn Rue added a little bit more bit more ballast in that in that um, set piece. I've I've not been massively impressed with the the starting locks so far this season, and I think he's due a start against London Irish. And I thought Van Veltzer added just a bit of weight. To be honest with you, I thought we were really lightweight when it was a a back row of um, Bayless, Reed, the Carpentier. It's just really, really, um, yeah, light and not not kind of as physically dominant in those areas. So I thought those guys did have a, did have. A, Know, an impact on the game and 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 I thought Kutsir as well Aranus Kutsir at, at as well um, he, he brought something as well so I think those subs helped um, and yeah the Willis so yellow on, that, on, on that I mean we mentioned you said the word lightweight I think that's the exact word that Van Gran used in one of the post-match press conferences he did and ultimately talking about the injuries that we've we've got and that list now gets a little bit longer we spoke about it last week, Underhill, 12 weeks, obviously a Barno. We still don't have a time frame from that point. I can see that that looks, um, you know, relatively long term. Chris Calerte, I was surprised that he came straight back into the starting 15 for this game because I, I thought it was more of a serious injury, but he's picked up what looks like quite a serious injury. He saw him, both him and Giacco Kutzir, both in leg braces in on a, on a social media post. And then Richard Decarpentier as well, who you mentioned, and he looked like he picked up a nasty injury here that's in a lot of pain. So suddenly, I mean, that back row and the carriers with, with Beno Urbano added to that mix, we're starting to look very, very lightweight in that, in that, in that pack. So perhaps GJ Van Veltzer will be the, will be the savior and be the man that, that comes in and, and, and does a Nathan Hughes and wins the hearts and minds of so many, including yourself. <laughs> yeah, perhaps, perhaps he does. Tom, um, yeah, ultimately one point for, for Bath and still searching for that win. Something we should touch on, Tom, surrounding GJ Van Belt's former club, uh, Worcester. Today, Monday evening, as we record, it has been announced. Uh, the news that I think we've been expecting for a little while now that they've been suspended from the Premiership from, from all uh, competitions. That includes the men's side and the women's side and also have entered into administration. This is, firstly, really, really upsetting news as a Premiership rugby fan, concerning news as a Premiership rugby fan, I think. You know, not just because of the, the kind of the livelihoods and, and everything that's been affected there, but also the, the threat that it clearly has to, to what, what can happen to other clubs. Wasps are, are similarly... You know, not in as bad a position, but in a concerning position financially. And and yeah, whilst it doesn't appear like Bath are, are anywhere near that, if it can happen to Worcester, I guess it can kind of it, it could happen 
you know, more widely across the league, Tom, this was, this is not something that, this is something that I guess is kind of, tarnish the start of, of what's been a, a really exciting premiership season to to date yeah it's it's unbelievably sad news i mean this the chickens coming home to roost for for worcester and for 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 wasps potentially after you know two ish seasons of no gate receipts and debt racking up and tax bills being unpaid and you know the the, the worcester saga has been really sad because it, it's well documented that some of the actions by the, the owners, um, you know, agreeing terms and asking for more, taking a, a, a grant from from a foundation, and then and then you know not declaring it and essentially not paying it back. The the way that 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 players and, and staff have been treated by the owners has been has been really really poor, um, and it, it it just shows that that the model as it currently stands isn't working. You know, wasps might be in a position if they can't find a buyer when they need to enter administration as well, which will mean automatic relegation from the league and and suddenly you know two two clubs one great club in 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 was might find themselves might find themselves you know pushed down to 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 the championship and then you know you look at a london welsh and you, you can see what 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 can potentially happen from from that point of view so yeah really sad it's it has has kind of tarnished the season and will tarnish this season when we when we um when, when we look back and yeah you've you've just got a feel for all the players and staff at Worcester because you know you only have to look at social media over the last few weeks to see the amount of effort that has gone in to make that extra game work to to players and staff taking sixty five percent of wages and to try and save the club. But ultimately, it's ultimately the deadline was was today and 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 yeah they've 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 failed. So yeah, a very very sad sad day for 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 English English rugby fans. Certainly is Tom, and remains to be seen what. Premiership Rugby decide to do in their infinite wisdom around the the season and the schedule and, and whether they just the team will skip that Worcester game or whether they do have a contingency plan in terms of fixtures um, to, to kind of bring the season to an end a little bit sooner uh, remains to be seen. But yeah, a sad day on that front. And, and Tom, a sad day as well for, for, for Bath from another front. Um, it was... Um, announced today or, or yeah I don't know what the right word is revealed today that um, the reason behind Bath kind of turning purple for this month uh, across their social media account um, news from from Bath winger fullback Darren Atkins that his dad was diagnosed with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis in August 2018 um, obviously something that Darren um and his family have been battling with for for a few years now. Um, supported by the club, um, uh, sounds like the, the support has been fantastic. And yeah, um, Dan wrote a, a little letter to the the supporters today. Um, so go and read that. And yeah, it's it's obviously been a, a difficult few months for for him on on a playing front, but but also uh, more importantly on a on a, on a personal front. And a guy that you used to. You don't know yeah. and play with. Yeah, it's it's a bit harder for me to be fair. Um played played with Darren for for many years. Um and Darren's dad was yeah ever present on the on the sidelines and um coached me for for a few years. So um yeah it's it's not it's tough and um yeah I, yeah it's been a, been 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 um been a tough day hearing about that and yeah I would just say that um Go and read the the post and um, read a little bit about the 
the disease. Um, I think what they're trying to do is just raise awareness on it because, yeah, it's not something that, that many people will know know much about. So so go and read um, go and read the post and yeah, just um, yeah, I think just educate yourselves on on everything to do to do with that. Um, on to the games. Yes, mate. On to fast, the don't they? rugby. They do come thick and fast. Um, Premiership Rugby Cup on on Wednesday night, mate. Um, Gloucester at home. Uh, why don't you give us a, a preview of this one? Well, I mean, you know, the form book against Gloucester last season was was really really good. So we can we we can we can be promising. I I looked up uh, an aggregate scoreline from the the three games, G the the two Premiership games and the the one Premiership Rugby Cup game. Any um any guesses on that front? Uh, I'll give you a clue. We've, 194 we've... to 30. So 30 points above, spot on. But you're you're a bit you're a bit you're a bit over for for, for 71, for 64, 52. What is that in 40? It was it was 40, 64, and okay. um 71. So 175 to 30. So yeah, a bit of a bit of a tarnished record against Gloucester last season obviously salt in the wound with uh, Zach Mercer signing for next season I can't get out that my, that out of my mind when I when I think about about Gloucester but I mean you know we know that last season the Premiership Rugby Cup and in seasons gone by can be very dependent on the respective sides that that that, that they field and and last year we we made the decision to essentially to to field academy sides um you know there being an absence of 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 Bluff United games and yeah, I mean, when we came up against some some more quality opposition, and 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 you know, we're found wanting. And I expect to see the same thing, to be honest, G, with with the relatively small squad that we've got, with with injuries again. As in, I expect to see a young a younger squad fielded. Um, and you know, I think the the back row guys that 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 will that will play. So Mackenzie Graham, a, a Nayam Merrigan. Um, uh, I think those guys. Are gonna, I'm going to be watching them quite closely. Obviously, with the injuries that we've got, we're starting to look a little bit light in, in that department. So maybe an opportunity for for those guys in the academy to step up and do an Orlando Bailey, do a Max Joma when they get their their opportunities in the in the in, in the starting lineup. Maybe Ewan Richards, having not played so far this season, will will get a will get a, a game and like to see him sort of given some sort of leadership role. Maybe he gets the the captaincy. Having obviously broken through to the the senior squad, so yeah, excited to see the, the some of the young guys get a get a get a, get a run out and and you know get a sense for the guys that are going to make the make you know start moving forward into the the first fifteen and the two guys Archie Stanley and um, or was it Archie Archie Spandler and is it Griffin? Griffin. Yeah, who are Jasper Spandler and Archie. Archie Griffin, who who Danny mentioned there, maybe we'll see those guys in action as well. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be an interesting side, isn't it? Because like we've got three of the people that I would imagine are going to feature on loan at Championship clubs. So, Neil Merrigan, Frankie Reed, and John Stewart, who are, are names that we've discussed. There, we're all on loan and featured on Saturday for their respective Championship clubs. So, yeah, whether whether there will be available selection, I doubt. Um, so yeah, it's an opportunity. You're right for for guys to to step up and with injuries, um, 
with, let's be honest, a poor start to the season and Van Graan being new to the role, it's, it's an opportunity for for people to to put their names into into the ring for sure. And yeah, you're right. The the result will all, will be dependent on on the respective strength of the sides. Um, but I can't imagine Gloucester are going to feel too strong a side given kind of the the constant churn of the Premiership this season. So it's a different different Bath side. Um, we might get our first win of the season, which would be fantastic. So yeah, if you're if you're going to it's at the wreck, isn't it? I think. It is, yeah, it is at the wreck. So if you're going, yeah, enjoy. And um yeah, we we might see some some stars of the future in in that one. Tom, a game that I will be going to on Saturday afternoon um at the G Tech Community Centre in Brentford, Bath v London Irish, uh, three o'clock kickoff on Saturday. London Irish one win from their first three games. They uh, quite frankly thrashed the aforementioned Worcester on the opening weekend before losses to Northampton Saints and yeah, whisper it quietly around you, top of the table, Bristol. Um what what have you seen from from London Irish so far this season? What can we expect from them on Saturday? I think they're they're always a side that they like to play quite loose and fast. Mm. Um I'm a little bit concerned about that given some of the defensive efforts that we've seen, particularly in kind of the, 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 the wider channels, you know, they've got some, some dangerous guys who've, who've kind of been pushing through and been involved with England. So Harry Arundel and Ollie Hassel Collins, who obviously were both involved with, with England. Paddy Jackson has, you know, settled in there and has, has had a few seasons there and, and is, is pulls the strings quite well at, at, at 10. So, yeah, I, I, I think they're a bit of an unknown quantity from a Bath point of view. We obviously didn't play the away fixture last season in the new year. That was cancelled. And then we had a very tight game against them in May at the rec where we won in, in kind of the dying minutes with a Orlando Bailey penalty. We won 27-24. It was a little bit of a scrappy game, but we had a very strong side out with with Sam Underhill, um, uh, Sam Underhill back, and Ben Obano. That was his first game of, of last season. So we... We 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 look strong in that game, so I'm I'm not quite sure what to what 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 to expect from them at all. To be honest, um, I think they you know they've when they did when they have lost, so when they they lost to Bristol, for example, they still were able to score 36 points. So I'm expecting that if we are going to beat them, we're going to have to score some tries, which we've 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 struggled a little bit, and I think we it's it's not really the game plan that we've we've gone to. So. I think an interesting match of styles with the game plan that we're trying to trying to play, um, and I'm not sure the conditions look all too good for for Saturday from a weather point of view. So um, that could play into that could play into our strengths as well. Great, can't wait for that. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> can't wait to get rained on and watch another defeat. But um, yeah, I, I'm concerned like you about the the potency of the back three of London Irish: Hassel, Colin, Arundel, and Will Joseph. Um, brother of Jonathan Joseph do, do look very dangerous and yeah it's they like to they like to get the ball wide and watching Wasps get the ball wide against Bath will you know when they're reviewing us I think that will clearly be an area that, that they they're going to look to exploit from, from a Bath point of view Tom I was really happy to see Orlando Bailey back starting against Wasps on on Friday night and that's something that I absolutely want to to see continue um and yeah, I think I'd like to to kind of see a change in in the second row, as I said, Quinn Roo to to come in to start. And yeah, the rotation of the the front row, I imagine, 
will will continue and, and, and back row selection will will be based on, on availability. He clearly wants Kluerter to play, doesn't he? he? He clearly likes him. But yeah, it doesn't look like he's going to be available for, for selection. And, and, and if there's no De Carpentier, then we may see kind of a Bayless, Reed, Van Veltzer back row for, for Bath. And, and yeah, fingers crossed Spencer's back as well, because I think he, he does make a massive difference to to them. And and if not, I'd, I'd be tempted to to play Max Green, but, but they're never going to do that because for some reason they just don't want to play him. Yeah, I'd, Spencer will be huge if he wraps him massive to have him back. And he should be clear after, you know, with, with, from an HIA point of view. Um, nice as well to see Matt Stroma come back into the, the, the centre. And there was another late change last week for Matt Gallagher coming in for Tom de Glanville. They're obviously being very wary of, of, of being conservative around injuries. I think both Redpath and Tom de Glanville could have played and, and trained, but the decision was made... Um, I think De Glambo had a, a slightly tight hamstring just before the game. Decision was made to to be a bit conservative and to rest those guys, which, I mean, given the already relatively long injury list, kind of pleased to see that. And we're going to have to rotate this season, given the the, the kind of attrition rate and the number of games that, the, the, that we're going to have to play. So, yeah, agree with you. I think... Uh, a Bailey Spencer halfback combination is 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 the one to go for now. Um, I still don't quite understand why they're moving him back to fullback and bringing bringing Piers Francis on, but um, it's still early days, and I think I think obviously Van Gran is is kind of starting to settle on what he thinks the best team is. But we're only three games into the season, and and with the injuries that we've had, I think guys are going to get a go this year. Sure, Tom. Thank you very much for joining me. If you are going to uh, the, the game on Saturday afternoon, then then let us know. And I think there's an October Fest tent situation going on. So um, yeah, may see you in there on Saturday afternoon. Thank you, Tom Dunn, for joining us. Um, yeah, great to have his thoughts on on the game on Friday night and all things blue, black and white. Thank you for listening. As I said, follow us on social media at Bath Rugby Plug. Um, and yeah, three losses from three, uh, but two games this week. So two chances to make that right. We'll be back on next week to review both of those games and talk about everything blue, black and white. Thank you for listening and stick behind the boys through thick and thin. <laughs>